Project Sapient is a podcast meant to engage our brothers and sisters in the law enforcement and military communities in conversations that we all know we need to have. All opinions you'll hear are our own, are protected by our First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and in no way reflect or are meant to reflect the opinion of any specific agency, officer, or service member. Some opinions may be controversial. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Hello, Pete. How are you, sir? How are you? Do you like my choice of music today? I love it. I thought you would. That's why I was like so excited and giddy for you to hear it. Okay. What's the fuck up? It's already getting weird. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, Project Sapient, we want to say thank you to our tens of thousands of supporters. We're getting an amazing amount of downloads across the world, actually. Check us out at projectsapient.org. Send us an email, projectsapient2020 at gmail.com. We want to thank our supporters and our sponsors, DCD Automotive, which is the Buck Group, AAA Police Supply, Havoc Journal, our partners at the Weekly Havoc Podcast, Second Mission, LiveBoston617.org, OD Kit, Eagle Eye Firearms, Gun Track, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, and Joint Operation. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Iman said he's giving up on TikTok. I am. Why, I, dude? I just you keep posting yourself the, like fucking the, the, naked the, and the, shit. The, that the, may be why. Just the dumb milk crate challenge. <laughs> Let me lick the toilet seat challenge. <laughs> Let me wear a helmet and shoot myself out of a cannonball into a brick wall challenge. I'm, I'm done with all that. People are just like expanding oh, their oh, horizons. And and uh, in TikTok fashion, I don't understand their banning algorithms. So when I get a uh, when I see like a message from somebody that probably works for ISIS, <laughs> I I I post it back and say nice try ISIS. They banned me they for did. bullying. Yeah, bullying. You you bullied ISIS. I bullied ISIS. How and dare you? Did not like that. How dare you, so sir? That's why I'm sick of TikTok. All right, we got. An amazing human being. He's a retired commander, Mike Lee. Yeah, uh, before you, you, you're getting ahead of me. God. I was going to talk about Airborne for Vets for a second. Okay, Airborne for Vets. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll, we'll just, we'll mute the retired commander. Oh, hold, hold on, on sir. Hold on. You, you, you're getting a little too quick. <laughs> we'll be, yeah. So Airborne for Vets, we're only like weeks away, literally. Yeah. Uh, almost a month away, actually. I've uh, been getting great, great uh uh, feedback and um, we're gonna have a special announcement very very soon. Are you doing it naked? No, uh, shirtless uh, with a <laughs> Spartan helmet, baby oil. Make sure you shave your yes, chest. Cha- the aerodynamics. And I need uh, somebody to paint the abs. <laughs> that way I can do it right. <laughs> but but no. So so uh, the special announcement. So we're gonna have a, a, a massive uh, a massive. I'll call I'll call them partnership. Yeah, uh, for the jump. Um, I don't know I, anything about this. That's why I'm, I'm, that's why you have that shock look, which you is like good. surprising me. It's, I like it's, I it's love this genuine. So uh, the company Tilvalhalla Project um, have reached out to us about the jump, and we are now working on a partnership with them. Really? Yes. So make sure I don't have anything to do with it because I'll ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I never told you anything. <laughs> but so so it's awesome. Uh, I'm in talks with the owner Corey. 
who does amazing, amazing things for the veteran community. Uh, you know, he flies all over the country, uh, yeah. giving plaques to uh, fallen to the Gold Star mothers, fathers. You know, to I've heard to, a lot about them. Yeah, the wow. amazing, amazing organization. I'm very, very excited and happy that uh, they're jumping on board as one of the big, big. Is, so is Corey gonna do the jump too? Oh, right, we're throwing him out of the plane. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we're we're throwing him out of the plane. So, this is awesome, dude. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so without further delay, uh, that was the update I wanted to you give. Sure, there's everybody. anything else you want to talk about um, before we insult the guy that we have on the phone? Well, we uh, he's not on the phone actually. He's on Zoom. He's on Zoom. All right, <laughs> let, let's get that correct. All right, Mister Three Hours of Sleep or whatever you did today. Three and a half. There you go. All right. Okay. Now we're good. Good enough. I sleep <laughs> when I'm dead. <laughs> So, yeah, so, Commander, if I fall asleep, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, not a problem. I understand. <laughs> Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for coming on. It's it's an honor uh, to have somebody like you on here. Um, I guess w- what had happened, he had heard the episode from... about. So he had heard about the... Uh, so he heard the episode where we uh, spoke about the letter that... Oh, that the original. Stephanie, the original okay. uh, letter Stephanie uh, wrote to city council... Uh, he emailed us. I actually read the email, sir, to Stephanie. She was very, uh, very happy and, and uh, honored also her to, to get an email like that uh, about her. And uh, and and I emailed him back, said, hey, you know, kind of introduce myself. Uh, I said, allow myself to introduce myself. And uh, and then, uh, you know, went off from there. And Mike wanted to come on to talk also, uh, talk shop about uh, his experiences in Portland. And uh, and I think people really need to know what goes on what inside goes on. Yeah. police departments like that. You know, kind of, it gives you like, you know, some of these great, TV shows that are very real, like The Wire, yeah. right? that really showed you what it's like in the Baltimore Police Department, right? Or uh, another phenomenal police show, Cop uh, uh, Southland, yeah, where it showed you like the patrol aspect and how accurate it was to be on the patrol side and, and the wires of the narcotic side, what it's like to work in that environment, to not just you know out on the streets, but also the inside, what goes on to inside with all the blue falcons that are in there that stab each other in the back. And for those who don't know what blue falcon, actually, I, I learned that some civilians have no idea. What, what I mean by blue falcon. Let's uh, teach him now. Well, I'm teaching him now. Blue falcon is another word to say buddy fucker or backstabber, whatever. We call them blue falcons. That's a military, yeah, that's a military thing. So, and the commander being former military understands that whole concept himself. I'm sure he's dealt with a lot of blue falcons in his career in the military. Oh, yeah. And the police department. So, so, so he agreed to come on and uh, to talk to us, which uh, again, I feel honored. You feel honored. We're yeah. just honored to be amongst hybrid wolves that are willing to come yeah. and actually sit down with us and talk shop about what goes on and what's what it's like and, and all that stuff. Well, so the, that, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that listen to the show, right. That are, we said not a lot of law enforcement, yeah. so this gives them good insight, but there's yeah. a lot of people that listen to the show that are in smaller departments across the country. Mm-hmm. Don't realize they see what they see from these large city departments is on the news. Yes. So, yes. they, so this is kind of like a lot of insight for yes. them, especially coming from somebody that was in command. Yes. You know, not just boots on the ground, but in command. Yes. It gives them really good insight as to everything that was going on. So, um, Commander, thank you again for coming on. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, starting from the military or whatever we want. The floor is yours, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's an honor to be here as well. Um, yeah, I went, once I saw that, uh, saw your podcast early, I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on it call these guys and see if they, 
you know, if they're interested in having me on, great. If not, you know, if they tell me to fuck off and I'll, I'll go about my way. But, uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, the, you know, I, uh, I spent eight years on active duty in the army, uh, went in there in 1979 again, it's before, uh, one of you guys was born. The other one was probably, uh, uh just uh, swimming around somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Misfire, uh, misfire. Yeah. We, we, we were knuckle children, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I got you. But, uh, you know, I had a pretty good time in there. Uh, yeah, I got married, came out and ended up in police work out on the West coast. I'm originally from down South. I've retired in Alabama now, ran, ran the hell away from Portland as soon as I retired get the hell out of that blue state. But, uh, yeah. I got down, uh, got, got into, got into police work early, uh, back when, uh, it was still a damn good time and get good fun to play. Uh, we were, everybody, everybody was out there doing, you know, just working their butts off and, and having a good time, you know, did patrol worked gangs, uh, worked on the tactical team on cert. It's called in Portland. Uh, did that for eight years. Um, it just worked a lot of graveyard, a lot of afternoon shift stuff. Uh, had great partners uh, throughout every assignment, and then uh, took started taking promotional exams so I could kind of inc- increase my sphere of influence, so to speak. Uh, was a sergeant on nights, you know, one of the precincts, and then uh, I left and uh, took a leave of absence in '04 and went over as a contractor over to Iraq because uh, I'd already gotten out of the military, out of the reserve, and I said, "Shit, I, I was in a peacetime army because we didn't have anything going on." So I, I wanted to go see what was happening over there. Came back, went right back into the police work. Um, went back to an afternoon shift, still working patrol uh, as a sergeant. Uh, took lieutenant's test, uh, worked a couple years patrol there. Uh, went to homicide, ran the homicide unit for two years. Then uh, made captain, and shortly after that got uh, uh, promoted to uh, commander, took over the precinct. Uh, and East Precinct is where uh, Stephanie worked at. Um, that, that whole group out there is a, a bunch of hybrid wolves, so to speak. There wasn't very many people that, uh, that worked out there that were, uh, problematic. Uh, the only problem I ever had is kind of reining them back in sometime <laughs> when they wanted to get out there and take too big a bite out of people. <laughs> well, uh, well, well, that's, that's the good thing though, right? I mean, if you, oh, I'd, I'd rather have cops that are so proactive. I gotta be like, Hey, listen, let's, uh, you got reports to finish. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, let's, yeah, well, let's, that was then, you know, that was then. Now yeah. it's a completely different animal. They don't oh, want. They is. don't want proactive out there. No. They want you sitting back and acting like a bunch of damn firemen waiting for the call. To pretty come much, in. pretty much, and and that's the struggle with hybrid wolves is we're not like that. We we don't no. sit. We 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 go and we hunt. You go crazy if you have to sit. We, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and uh, when you had uh, just uh, real quick, kind of when you had Stephanie, uh, just so also our listeners kind of get an insight from you as a commander uh, with with Stephanie, who was boots on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. You described her as a hybrid wolf yourself. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. She's uh, she like many other people out there hard working no problems for me no problems for a sergeant uh you know i just always tell them do your job so i don't have to do mine yeah uh you know that's the kind of bottom line kind of let let folks trust folks to do their job and that's kind of the environment i tried to foster out there and i, I think they took it to heart because it, it was already kind of like that when i got there i just didn't want to change anything to you know inhibit those guys from doing their job out there i wanted them uh, out there being proactive and trying to keep the crime down you know, keep the community safe. So, you know, people could live, go about their lives in their little bubbles and, and, you know, 
live. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. It's it's so it, you know it, it's funny you said just like it, it, these days, right? So you know, yesterday I was with my SWAT team. We were doing a in-service use of force uh, type training, and you know some of the things that were brought up, uh, talking use of force and you know detaining versus arresting, all that good stuff that we were talking right. about. But uh, but you know a lot of the uh, the uh, SWAT officers, they you know they, they were, we were all actually collectively we were talking about some of these newer crops of cops. Mm-hmm. Who do not want? Uh, who do not want this uh, proactive approach? They they don't even want to put their hands on anybody. So you know, for example, they they, they were talking about going going into a call, let's say a fight, right, at a bar or whatever, and they get there and they they're just standing around, like well. You got, you know, you got to jump your in. Ass in there and put some hands on people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, and, just get and, this shit settled. Exactly. And it is, you know, it was like they, they automatically assume just because I put my hand on somebody, uh, whether I'm pushing them away or whatever, automatically means I need to arrest them or a use of force has to happen. It's like, no, use of force does not have to happen. If you're, if yeah. you're just breaking up a fight, no, that's just because you push someone off doesn't mean that that's a use of force. So, so it's like that, that, that fear and and not willing to understand what you can and can't do they just don't want to do it well i think it stems from uh several different aspects i mean several different reasons i mean one is uh political yeah Uh, yes all the the, from the political you you have to work within the boundaries and the expectations you're handed down by the folks on high yeah and in portland it's like every new mayor comes along you have hope but then all of a sudden they say here hold my beer i'm more fucked up than the last one <laughs> right you know and, that's, that's you what know, it and it's like a challenge yeah you, you know they see it as a challenge to see how stupid they can make it yeah so you know they and you know they'll decide what rules what laws what things you you can and you can't can't enforce yeah so I, I just think a lot of things come from political side and it's not it's not clear to the folks out there and then yeah. when you start getting uh, supervisors and things like that, that that are not leaders, but they're more managers and supervisors that that, that are more afraid of the paperwork they're going to have to do than getting out there and, and taking care of the business itself. Then you've got the the judicial side. You've got the district attorneys, and we you know out Portland now has a very liberal district attorney out there that they elected. The one before that, great one before that, even better. Uh, but again, hold my beer, I can do worse. Yeah, right. Uh, so the, you got then you got the judges and. Judges are elected positions and, you know, you start electing, you, you elect in a liberal city council or, I mean, you can go as far as to say a socialist or communist city council in a lot of respects. Um, that whole thing is just, it's just this giant shit show, so to speak, for the folks with the boots on the ground because they don't know, they, they, they become tentative. They become yes. afraid of the repercussions. Or, Am I going to get in trouble? And they see they see examples of people that have gone and done nothing more than their job. And all of a sudden they're sitting on the, you know, on the 10 two plan to call in because they're off, off work. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's, you, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword for them. They, you kind of, you kind of stole my thunder is I, I, I was going to say that a lot of these guys and girls, so I was in special ops for about 10 years and I went okay. back to patrol and it was, you, you know, that it was a completely different world between the two. Yep. And when I got when I got back, it was very eye opening for me to see what was going on. To see, you know, there were still a lot of the hybrid wolves out there. There were still right. guys that absolutely loved doing the job and this and that. But even from them, you would see a little bit of pullback. And where the pullback was happening was, and and it started affecting me too. Where the pullback was happening was from every angle of society, like you said. You know that 
you know, judges and the DAs and the prosecutors and all these people, they're starting to be, it, it sounds a little tinfoilish to people, but when they're communist and socialist, you start getting scared about these things, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's no longer like this big conspiracy. There's a lot of people that have these ideologies that get into these positions of power mm-hmm. and they really affect society. So the cops are seeing that. Yeah. The cops are seeing the media crucifying you for putting your hands on someone. Yeah. Or the tick because a TikTok video that's got eight seconds of what happened crucifies the shit out of Goddamn you. Goddamn TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> so so why would you want to go out there and, and get into get into something when all they're going to do is be crucified exactly in exactly. public opinion uh, or or I, through the through the legal system? It's, it's absolutely it's a it's a no win situation for so, them, and so, I feel sorry. And not only that, but these guys know that a lot of the quote unquote new leadership isn't going to have their backs. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, they are. They're more concerned about their uh, their rise through the ranks. Yeah, or what's their next promotion or, or whatever. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. How can I how can I parlay this into the next good position that I want to see myself in, or how can I, you know, they're they're looking towards the future instead of just taking care of troops, which is what the job of a le- of good leader is supposed to be. Well, that, that's the thing. I've 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 seen this shift in in policing with leadership, where the sergeants are now supervisors and the lieutenants, captains are now managers, and you know, right. so I, I'm I started to see the shift in all of a sudden. Let's treat policing as a business, right? Yeah. And customer service and and all this stuff, and and uh, you know, I I had a hard time. I, I still do. I have a hard time with it because that's not the job. Our job is, no, is not customer job, service. No. Our, our job is, is, is going to somebody at the lowest points of their lives and try to fix it. Yes. Try to help the victim. Try, because here's the thing, you know, as, as, as a, as an investigator, you know, uh, when I go, when I'm, when I'm on my way to go to, uh, investigate a sexual assault of a six year old, I'm not there for customer service or business or whatever, right. you, you know, right. I'm, 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 I'm there investigating as a patrol officer. When you're on your way to a hot call of a stabbing, uh, shooting, whatever it may be, you're not going over there to, uh, to, I don't know, uh, hand out you know, uh, customer service badges or, you, you know what I mean? Right, like, uh, it, like it, it, policing, you are that hybrid with, you are that protector. You, you are nice until it's time not to be nice. Uh, that's, that's kind of the philosophy that we all grew up with where, right. you know, especially, uh, you know, you and me, sir, we come from a military background and leadership in the military is very different than leadership in policing. I agree. I yeah. agree. So, and it's it's very obvious those that have uh, military background. Yeah, uh, we, we had on the street and yeah. in in command. So, I mean, I always talk about my my very close friend. He's a he's a deputy chief at my my police department. He's prior military, but he has a very very strong military leadership type philosophy that he integrates into policing, and it works phenomenally well. Right. I mean, he's he's a really, really he's one of the exceptional leaders that, you know, again, one, a few and far between that should be in that leadership type position. Look, I, I, I see it as being an outsider and an insider in, in the police. You have to have a balance of these things. Right. Because, yes, you are still trying to win hearts and minds on the street. Yeah. Right. One of the best attaboys that I've ever gotten in the last two years on patrol was from a, a boss that wrote me up for doing something good. And it was because of my sense of compassion. Yeah. Right. I still got there. I still did what I needed to do. Right. But I still had a sense of compassion. Well, you got to have compassion. You and, know, for- and I helped the 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 victims let's call them i helped the victims calm down and i did all that so there needs to be a balance and why i say that too is even from the military side right 
the policing in the United States isn't military. No. It's a paramilitary yeah. organization, yeah. right? Uh, it's a pseudo-military organization. So you need to have that balance. You can't have General Patton coming in mm-hmm. and fucking ordering everybody around mm-hmm. because you're going to have people like me being like, really? Mm-hmm. No, not going to happen. But you do want the person with the military background, with the mm-hmm. structure, with the guy that you know has been through the shit, with a balanced attitude to come in and lead you. Yeah. So, so, you know what I mean? So that, that's the thing. Again, lead to lead, right? Not to supervise, exactly. To lead, right? Uh, you, you, you know, as as me, uh, I'm in charge of, of, of a plainclothes unit in, in my city, and I don't see myself as a quote unquote supervisor. I'm not. A, I'm not anything like that, right? You know, guys, go out, do your jobs, and you know, whatever. We'll we'll uh, we'll deal with shit as as they come or whatever. You know, like I want proactive guys. I want you guys to go out there and do the fucking job because ain't nobody else gonna do it. You know, we're, we we have a specific mission, and this is what we do. But uh, I know we went on a tangent for a little bit, sir. No, <laughs> but but um, I want cops, uh, right? Uh, yeah, we're cops. I know squirrels. <laughs> That's what let's, we do. Yeah. So so let's kind of reel it back a little bit by uh, talking about uh, Mike. When did you first become a police officer over in Portland? Uh, 1989. 1989. Okay, so. 1989. So you. you you uh, 1989. You went to the academy, and then uh, what was it like back in the like the, that early time when we, uh, that must have been right around Rodney King, correct? It was before Rodney King. Before, I was actually okay. on the streets when Rodney King happened. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was back then. I mean, of course, this is prior to any of the social media crap, prior to cell phones, prior to this 24-hour news shit where everything gets blown out of proportion. And like you said earlier, the eight eight seconds of snippet. Uh, yeah. video goes on the, on the, on the web or on the net, you know, whatever. Um, it was, it was, it was fun. I mean, we were out there doing good work and like you said, it's a compassionate job. You're out there to help people, yeah. but you know, help comes in all forms as well. As you well know, I mean, sometimes help, help is, uh, you know, uh, wrapping somebody up and taking them to, to jail or to detox or wherever they need to go to, to, you know, to put a question, a quash on the, on the situation. Um, back then they were, you know, there weren't, the only thing we had on our, on our gun belts was, was a, was a gun, a radio handcuffs and, and a, and a nightstick. And this is before, you know, pepper spray before tasers, before all these less lethal options came into play. And, uh, you know, it was hands on, it was, you know, you let your mouth and your, and your, and your, uh, and your hands do the work. And now, you know, when, you know, there are, people that are able to get away with a little more than I am. I'm 6'4", 240 pounds. I mean, so I've had a little bit of a bigger presence than some of the other people out there. So my job, or, you know, sometimes I was the enforcer. Sometimes I was the compassionate guy. Just just the way it was back then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny you say that because uh, just like, you know, plainclothes guys, gang units, narc news, whatever, uh, street crimes guys, that's sort of, that's sort of what I have on my belt so to speak because my gun handcuffs radio and flashlight if i need if i need it. and that's it right. I, I don't have my my less lethal options are all my sw- uh, on my tack vest i right. don't have it i don't i don't take that out with me uh other than that i it's for me it's words and, and fist essentially you know right. that's, that's kind of that's kind of the way i i do things but but one thing that that again the misconception in media and all that and and freaking all these different uh, 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 entities that are out there, uh, they love just bashing the whole, well, you should have done this, or you should have done that, or you should have done this. Like, well, you can't judge a split second decision just like that, you know? And, and, and that's the thing where I also think, and this is kind of my, my personal thought is 
the, the amount of tools that are on a gun belt these days, it's too much. Yep. I agree. It, there's it's too many it, options. There's too, too many to options. There's too, exactly. And, and you have that point, uh, that four science. I always talk about the, you know, the, the bad guy has 0.25 seconds to whether hit you, shoot you, whatever it might be. They've already decided to do it. It takes them 0.25 seconds for them to do it. Right. You, on the other hand, uh, reacting to that takes you anywhere from a half a second to a second and a half to react. In that half a second or second and a half, you're trying to decide and decipher in your mind what the fuck had just happened. Now what option am I going to yep. go to? Now I need to radio it for help. And now I accidentally grabbed the wrong tool and use that instead. So the, the thing is, though, neurologically, physiologically, that's the part that the, the common civilian does not understand because right. one these days no one fights like if i can you know people people uh, <laughs> you'll tell you to see if uh, if i meet anybody uh our you know our age we, we've all fought but any of the younger generations like yeah you, you have no idea what you're talking about you've never been a fight in your life and right. even right. even even cops these days the newer uh, cops are, are the same thing they've never been in a fight in their lives where i have dt instructors telling me that they have to teach someone how to do make a fist and yeah. to me I mean, it's, it's I mean, Back it's, in the day, you know, you'd find you'd always find cops down in the gym hitting the bag. Oh or, yeah, uh, right. Through some type of uh, martial arts and stuff. And did you guys have a, a two? Uh, it, it, especially you, Mike. I want to ask: Did you have a two minute drill in the academy? Did you have to fight one of the instructors for two minutes? We didn't necessarily. Have to, we we did we did that kind of stuff, but it wasn't called the two minute drill. Okay. I mean, it was it was yeah. I mean, it was there was all kind of they would they would come out of nowhere and you had to defend yourself you know in 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 a way that's you know it's not like you know i'm not gonna get in a street fight i'm not gonna go out there and pummel someone to the ground right but i gotta control them so you know using some of the tools that they learn but it, it all it, it does boil down to a street fight i mean it really does when it comes down to you know mano a mano it's the way it is and like you hit the nail on the head a lot of these kids have never been in a in an actual knockdown drag out fight yeah and you know when you're too busy thinking about that kind of stuff it's you know i don't know i, I just it's, Here's it's, the thing. it's like, to, like to us you know uh, growing up i mean you know i'm sure you were the same way even though you're uh, you've come from the stone age but you know you, oh. all, all, all the fights all, wow. all, all we're the, not wow. supposed to insult our guests wow. dude. listen wow. listen all right we're all cops here all right we gotta have thick skin all right yeah keep drinking your purple juice there fuck and we'll you go it's a monster <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no but but you know like I, I remember back you know me growing up it was yeah we'll go to the basketball court and duke it out you know like if i had an issue with somebody at school whatever or even in school i don't yeah. care i got suspended a couple times for but you know you, you just duke it out and it's done it's over yeah. you're, you're all we done meet by the water tower it, it was well, a high school you know I grew okay up in a yeah little, little town and we'd meet by the water tower yeah. after school exactly and shit and we're done yeah exactly you, you duke it out you're done it's uh, it's over you know but actually these days, a lot of times a lot of times i shake the hand of the the guy right. you know, whether win or lose i'm shaking his hand i'm like hey good fight like you know like like the thing is though i think i think society has uh, has uh, gone away from that so much that they don't know what it's like anymore we've softened up oh no we we have here's the thing with technology right with all the tools in our belts with the amount of technology that are in police cruises for policing uh it has disconnected us from our primal instincts of survival of of just like you started back in your day in the academy where the instructor would just come at you out of nowhere right that is all the, that stress inoculation training where it causes you to think on your feet where these days in academies they don't get any of that 
you're lucky if you're able to to yell at a recruit. You know, I mean, I mean, just I was doing a drill at the at the range. Uh, I'm 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 one of the uh, I'm a you know a, a range instructor at the academies, and and uh, this one day the last week I was at the range and I introduced just a tiny little bit of stress, not even crazy. What'd you do? All I all I gave them, all I said was. Actually, all I do is my voice. I'd say, change the max. Let's go. Change, change. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Hurry up. Hurry up. Like, you know, yeah. move it. Come on. And, and holy shit. People fell they apart. Cry. They fell apart. You get them crying. Uh, crying. I, I tried. I tried. That's such a meme. That's, that's just so mean. I can't believe you do stuff like induce stress on a range. That's crazy. Right? Well, well, here's the thing. Like, like to me, again, it, to me, it's like, if you can't do this in the range where it's a controlled environment and your heart rate maybe is at 115, 120, 130, if you're out on the streets and when your heart rate's at 180, you're going to collapse. You're going to collapse. Yeah. You know, you, that that's the thing. And, and you know, the, the training of even, you know, when we first came on the job like 20 years ago, it was, it's vastly different oh, yeah. than it is now. It's, it's amazing how much has changed to the softer approach of, of policing or, or of training cops is, is now, again, to me, it caught up to us finally. This past 20 years of just the way it's been, it's caught up to the uh, to the profession. And, Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. and just like with you, uh, uh, Mike, when when as you've gone throughout the years, I know before we, we started the episode, you started saying like, hey, like the rock started slowly going downhill. And yep. what was that like? I mean, what what did you start to notice when that started happening? Uh, you started noticing uh, folks that some of the newer folks, especially, um, they would almost disregard and discount uh, those that were ahead of them, those that walked the path before them. And, and you know, in in the age of, uh, of actual police work. Yeah. So they started getting indoctrinated through the academies and through, uh, you know, schools and, you know, that type of thing where they were becoming a little softer, a little less to engage. Uh, they became more reliant on technology, mm-hmm. uh, especially cell phones and computers and stuff like this. Instead of, you know, getting out, rolling your window down, driving around the neighborhood, get out and talk to people. You know, the old one-on-one communication. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, get out and, you know, two people, you know, two cops step out on the corner with, you know, 10, 12 gangsters hanging out there and just start talking to them. Right. You know, instead of driving by and kind of looking at them with, uh, I don't know what to do here because they don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> you know? I mean, you hide behind, uh, hide behind the windshield and, and just drive away. So, you know, and that's, it was, it was a slow metamorphosis. It really yeah. was. Um, but, you know, if you were to step away for five or 10 years and come back, you'd be, it would be a shock value because of the way things had changed. But the slow metamorphosis, um, there were still enough of the folks that I got that I got hired behind and that I got hired with. And the, the younger ones just after us, that, that there were still enough folks out there that, that I guess we had this false belief that it would always be this way. And, you know, it, it's not anymore. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the perception of things is their reality. You know, a new person on today, these are their good old days 20 years from now. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's what it'll be. You know, yeah. back we would say in the good old days. Well, in the good old days, there's no frame of reference for these folks other than the, the stories they hear, uh, you know, through the grapevine or something. I mean, there was a time when uh, in Portland, they, w- there was the Portland Police Athletic Association. It was a bar for all the cops to go to. Uh, the, the union owned it. 
And we'd go there and hang out. And, you know, it was nothing but the cops. They'd come in, and, you know, cops from all over the place would come in. We'd hang out and chit chat, trade stories, trade information. And they shut that down. That was before I left. They shut it down somewhere around the late, I think around 2010 or so, somewhere in that neighborhood. And you, I even noticed it there in the back. You know, we'd go in there and we'd sit there and chat and talk and drink beer. And these guys are coming in and watching South Park. I'm like, really? Coming in and watching a cartoon on TV? Man. Yeah, but, uh, that became an eyesore. Um, you know, nobody, the city wanted it to go away. Um, and they finally did sell it just because there was a lot of money to be made in that building. It was a great building, great location. But it was just uh, that kind of culture. There, It just doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, it, it, to the degree it did, I'm, there's still some of that culture, but it's more in the, the retired circle. Now you sit around and talk about, talk about <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff and, yeah. you know, the stuff that would got you indicted back then, but yeah. anymore. Well, so, so it, so it, it would seem so like you said, these younger cops that would come on after, you know, over the years as they came in, um, were they the ones that were promoting fast because they just wanted to promote fast to, uh, to get up on the ranks and because they had so, these grand ideas or, or whatever. Whatever the you know yeah, the good idea yeah, fairy. I, I saw that part of it, and also yeah. saw the guys that came on thinking this is an eight to five job, you know, <laughs> yeah. Monday through Friday. So they 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 as quick as they can, they opt to go to some specialty unit, you know, working elder services or or working a uh, training division slot with three or four years on. What the hell do you know about police work? You're going to teach and train. You know what? States. What's scary? It, it's back. It's it's just like that now. You you get yeah, these new cops. It's universal. Uh, yeah, they get you get these new cops who you know. Oh, I you know not even a year on the job and they're already talking about detectives and they're already talking about SWAT and they're, I'm like, we don't even to, talk. In, in my you know? city, we used to have, in, in, in mine's a major city, we used to have a rule, it was literally in our rules and regs, that you needed to do three years on the street before you could even apply to yeah. another unit. But the unwritten yeah. rule was, it was like five or six. Yeah, the typical is five or six, even right? back then. Yeah, yeah, it was five or six that's years. It, and that's, that's what it was with us. I mean, it was three right. years before you could apply to go on the tactical team or three years before you can consider taking a promotional exam. But you're right. Five or six years, you're just starting to get a good handle on on what you're supposed to be doing on the street. Right. And the, now unfortunately, you're, you're getting now guys culture, with on probation still yeah getting into some of these units well, like yeah I, I mean well like FTOs right FTO, we have we have several FTOs on on our job who only have a year a year year and a half on the job and now they're <laughs> FTOs and you're like <laughs> Yeah, Holy, you know, so much. You know and, but but that's happening universal. That's happening universally. It is, it, it is universal. Because it's not, it's not restricted to anyone. No, no, no. And because because that's the scary trend. That again, like he said, that's slow roll down the hill that's been going on since your time. Now it's at our time right. that that's been happening. And and it's funny how history just repeats itself like that. And it's like the 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 police leadership uh, should if they study history enough should realize if they had any balls to say, no, we're not going to have the snowball effect. We're not going to have this rock that rolls down every time to, to restart right. the profession all over again, because these days I think what we're 20, 30 years back now, Oh yeah, uh, you know, with all this shit that's going on with the new police reform laws and everything that, that that's happening. So, so uh, Mike, were you there now? When did Portland, did Portland do any sort of police reform laws or, or yeah, has, we, has, we, it, we, has that always we came been? Under a, we came under a consent decree. Um, okay. Um, by the, by the Department of Justice came in. Uh, they were putting that whole thing together. I, I think I'd just become a commander at the time when they came through 
it may have been the second time they came through. Yeah. Uh, but I remember, you know, these investigators who, you know, work for, work for the DOJ. Now this, the guy that came up there was from new Orleans. I'm like, really? You came from new Orleans, one of the most corrupt fucking cities in the world, <laughs> uh, in the police world. And, uh, you're going to come up here and tell us how to do our job. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was once that stuff started happening is when you could really, really tell it on the street of the disengagement of, uh, how the folks were out there. It's like, okay, if everything I do is going to be uh, Monday morning quarterback, people are going to sit there in their damn swivel chairs and, and judge me without being in my boots, without being there, without having all the facts. And that's the problem is no one wants to gather all the facts. They don't want to talk no. to anybody. They just no. want to sit there and judge you. Yeah. Um, you could see that that was a big start of the disengagement piece of it, of where folks are like, fuck it. If everything I do is going to be like that, why the hell am I out there busting my ass? Yeah. You still had a lot of folks out there doing a lot of good, a lot of good work, but there was just, you could just, you could sense it. You could sense it. You could feel it. You could see the yeah. differences in the numbers and everything. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Self, uh, self-initiated stuff went down. Yeah. Uh, so, that so, kind of thing. So let me ask you this, Mike, not to put you on the spot, but as a commander, you're noticing these things with your guys and girls. Is there anything that you were doing to, to help, get them out of that mindset to help, you know, show them that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'd, I'd go to roll calls. I'd, I'd go to roll calls and say, look guys, I'll, go out there and do your job. Don't be afraid of doing your job. Um, and, you know, if you find something that you're not comfortable with, you know, grab another guy, grab, grab another troop, go with you make sure you got a witness with you and that kind of stuff, you know, and emphasize to the sergeants, don't, don't discourage these folks from doing their job. Make, you know, and, and I think it helped a little bit. I mean, I'd like to think it did. I like to, believe that i had some kind of positive impact on that um but it was tough i mean you know you got folks that are uh, you know the complaint is like well they're just they're they you know they who's they well they are the guys in the ivory towers you know the right. you know, city yeah. hall whoever you know they aren't gonna they're they're not gonna support me well you don't have to worry about them supporting we got we're gonna support you here you do everything that's that's you know if it's it's legal more and ethical you're solid you know, I'm going to back you. I'll, I'll back you up. And I did on a number of occasions and on other occasions, sometimes, you know, they fucked up, but just tell them, say, Hey, look, dude, you screwed this up and here's how we're going to make it better. And we're going to move forward. But it's, you know, you hold people accountable for their actions and let them know that ahead of time. You know, what are the expectations? These are, this is, this is what I expect. I want you to go out there and do your job. I don't want you sitting in it. We're not firemen. You want to be a fireman, yeah. quit and go work for PFB. God damn it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they get you a big old Barker lounge. You can play Nintendo all day long. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. That kind of shit. But they now, have a lot you know, of fun. I've, I've been kind uh, of thinking it, about it. <laughs> yeah. If I came back, I'd probably, I probably would be a damn fireman. I mean, <laughs> God, you know, they work one day, you know, one day out of three and you got, you know, your electrician on the side and you're making, you're making jack. Exactly. Well, well, the, well, so, so going back to, to what you said, sir, the, the, the whole, you know, you go into roll calls and you talk and, and, and kind of give the guys the pep talk. It, it doesn't happen that as much anymore. It's, it's more these days roll call is all about the, you know, the check the box. Let's do check the box roll call training real quick uh, for like yeah. a few minutes. And then, uh, you know, the, the uh, lieutenants and the commanders, they, they read off the uh, assignments of the day and there you go. Who's got the, who's got a rifle. Who's got a less lethal shotgun. Okay. Okay. All right, good. And then you're, you're out on the streets. This is not as much, um, actually these days there's been a little bit more at my, at where I work a little more, uh, engagement in the roll call where they'll AR, uh, certain incidents, which I think AR is the best, 
the best uh, teacher of any okay. sort of uh, any sort of situation you do. Whether I mean, I, uh, I think me uh, myself, Peter, we, we've talked before saying how even after I'm done uh, with a simple car stop, I'll air the shit out of yep. it. All right, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Yeah. Even when I was on FTO, uh, when I was an FTO, and and I would train new officer, every encounter, every stop, even walking into a store, I would AR it. All right. Right, wrong, and different. What, what did you do? So we, we have Mike on the phone, and I'm going to give you this example. From an old-school cop mentality to a, you know, medium cop mentality to the new cop mentality, okay? <laughs> because I'm certainly not going to put myself on your level. You guys did oh, it right. Oh, for God's sakes, you're probably past but, my level already. <laughs> no, but so Iman knows this, what, exactly what he was just talking about. You know, you'd do a car stop, and then you would AAR it, or you would back somebody up, and then you would AAR it with a buddy of yours. Be like, hey, you know, I saw you on that car stop. I was behind you the whole time, and you fucked this up, or you did X, Y, and Z up, right? And none of us would get butt hurt about any of it. We'd be like, oh, yeah, now, fuck. All right, now everybody's going to get offended and file a fucking beef on you. Three, it's exactly what I'm bringing up. <laughs> Three, four weeks ago, brand new kid, and I was like, hey, I saw you on that car stop. I had, obviously I was going to, you know, do what I had to do if the guy fucking came out with a gun or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But I said to the kid what he did wrong, what I thought he did wrong. And I even said it in a nice way. I was like, if it was me, I would have done it a little bit differently. Yeah. I'm not sitting here dogging you, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah, I yeah. saw it. Yeah. He went in and complained. Fucking uh, snowflake. And I well, said it, well, I said it in the exact same tone that I just said it to you guys. Like I was just kind of yeah, like, here's the thing. That's, that's the ego part that kills the job. Right. And, 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 but uh, that's that 80-20% split. Now, if he, if the, if that cop was, was a hybrid wolf type, he will take your advice to heart. Oh, yeah, he would have been like, oh, fuck, uh, yeah, I could have done this or I could have done that. Exactly, or, uh, exactly. I, lo- I learned early on, I mean, I, I, when I got on the tactical team, um, there we, we would call debriefs, we'd call them nut cuttings. Oh, big I mean, yeah. oh, really hell yeah. Get in there and hell if yeah. you fucked up on that team, I mean, you're going to hear about it. And if you got butt hurt, then okay, there's the fucking door. Yeah, right. exactly. that's you know, the way it we is. Don't, we don't need that shit here. No, no. So I kind of, no. Oh, and and all the guys I worked with, my my partner on the street for about six years was 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 on the team at the same time. We got on the same day, um, and we worked a lot together. And we would we would go out there and we train we train folks, try to take some of that tactical training. We train them, and if we saw them fucking up out there, we'd say, "Hey, look, look, you just you didn't even clear that corner when you walked around there. Come right. on, man. I mean, you know, chances are nobody's there, but what if they are?" You know, you know, so you've got to, you, you know, and now I swear to God, there's so, you know, it's feelings. I mean, you know, now I think a lot of times it's managing feelings. Oh my God, there's a feeling loose. It's flapping around, running the walls. Let me pick it up and rub it and make it all <laughs> yeah. better. You know, but, and people are afraid to, to address those things. Even, even supervisors, I call them supervisors, not sergeants anymore. Yeah. You know, they just, they just, they don't go out there and, and pull people back. And I mean, like you were saying, right after the damn thing goes on, you pull them aside. The sergeant, we used to go out and grab, grab everybody and say, okay, let's talk about it right now and get it out in the open. What did we do right? What we do wrong? What could we do better? Yeah. Oh, but uh, you're right. That's, that's, that's kind of going by the wayside because of, feelings well that the thing is though like like you know i come from a military background you come from you know especially on a, on a tactical sense and a you know military sense a combat arms type sense where it's life or death for us uh yeah. in the military and even this job every decision you make is life or death whether it's your life or the or an innocent civilian's life or whatever you do especially on a critical incident seconds count and you can't and you know to me 
especially like you know on my SWAT team, that's the way we are. If you don't fucking like it, there's the door. You know, yeah. You, yeah. because we don't have time to fucking worry about your feelings because you fucked up a tactic and and you didn't you didn't you didn't fucking you know take uh, cut that pie enough and now your partner got shot behind you as a result when you made the entry right. and because that that actually did happen to me once and I fucking flipped out on my on on the SWAT operator that was next to me who, yeah. who was supposed to watch my back and he fucking walks out like you know all butthurt but I'm like dude get him the fuck off the team like if he's not gonna you know he he just fucking basically if this was real you as a SWAT commander my chief would be going to my house to say yeah I, you know I even got shot and killed they don't realize how real the consequences of these actions can be well I mean here's the thing like like to me yeah I, I went to combat and war I like I see even the most minuscule thing, right? Whether when, when Sergeant Allers died, hey, I'm going down, we're going down this road and it's a fork on the road. Hey, we're going to go left, you go right. Sergeant Allers last minute says, no, no, we'll go left, you go right just to, you know, change it up a bit. All right, cool. He goes left. He's the one get blown up and get killed. Right. A simple, simple decision. It's called, it's a butterfly effect. Exactly. And, and, but that's what these, these younger cops and even even some of the more senior cops who aren't part of that you know hybrid wolf they're they're part of that eighty percent fucking eight to five uh, you know job like you said uh, Mike uh, that are just there to collect a paycheck and work overtime and do whatever that's all they care about that's all they want to do they they also get butt hurt because you're calling them out on their bullshit. You know, I like, I like to me, I don't care if you got like, you know, 20, 25, 30 years on the job. If, if you're fucking lazy, I'm going to say, Hey dude, don't come with me to calls. Cause you're going right. to be more of a liability right. to me than, than, than to actually help me. And, right. and you know, that that's the thing with this, with this job and this snowball effect that's been happening in Portland and well, East coast, West coast, uh, middle America, there's this, this snowball effect that's been happening for a couple decades, even three decades, I'll say. It's it's like we're now at the the bottom. I, I'd say, we're, we're uh, I, sure, I sure hope so. We're we're I, I hope so too. I'm 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 saying this optimistically. We're 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 sort of at the bottom now, where I think. Well, the reason why I said we're at the bottom, I think we are at the bottom because look at some of these cities that wanted to disband their police departments, like these right, major. Right, like they're Minneapolis, starting to get second thoughts on that. Minneapolis, right? New York City, New York City, yep. right? Yep. All of a sudden, they're doing this turn, like, oh shit! Look, Chicago, Chicago was the big one, you right. know, where the mayor was like, oh. Okay, I guess this was a bad idea. Or, you know, when, you, when you're cutting all these critical specialty units, like homicide units, like gang units, like narc units, and you're like, oh, we're getting rid of them, you know, because they're excessive or they use excessive force, excessive tactics, all, the, all this bullshit, excessive, excessive, excessive. No, that's, that's not what we're doing. I'd like, I, I want to, I agree and I disagree with you. I, I don't, we're at the bottom something is tickling me and telling me that it hasn't gotten as bad as it's going to get yet. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that I've seen at least while I was there and from the outside looking in is that criminals, they don't respect the police, but they have to fear the police. Yeah. They have to fear going to jail. They have to fear the judicial system. If they, if they don't have any respect for the police and there's no fear involved in an encounter with the police or, and I'm not talking about being scared because they're going to get their ass kicked. I'm talking about because they're going to be held accountable for their actions. Exactly. And that is the biggest thing. The accountability piece has gone completely off oh, the Oh, it, it's gone. With, there's no personal it, accountability anymore. You know, there's it, the riots in Portland. There were hundreds, if not thousands of arrests made during that year. And 
only a handful were ever prosecuted. And if they were prosecuted, hell, they were back on the street before the damn reports were written. I, th- I think Stephanie did say like, what, 10% she said out of like the thousand. Uh, and, and it was maybe if they got charged, she said, she said one of them got maybe like probation or some bullshit, like yeah. community service. And we're and, talking about assaulting the police, yeah. throwing shit, you know, throwing Molotov cocktails at the police, you know, back, back 30 years ago, You'd have got shot throwing a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> well, well, deadly weapon. That's a de- yeah, that's, mean, the, that's deadly force right there. Now it's like, oh, it's okay. It's just, you know, and, you know, when, when the RRT, the rapid response team, all up and, you know, jointly stopped doing what they were doing is because they had no support from City Hall. They had yeah. no support from the community. That was actually a pretty they good deal. They had no support from anybody. Yeah. The DA wasn't wasn't prosecuting. The judges were letting people go. The city, uh, you know, the mayor and the city council were out there saying, oh, we've got to, we can't treat citizens of Portland. Those aren't fucking citizens. Those are criminals out there doing criminal acts. Right. And if you're going to let them do that, then what do you do? You embolden them. Let's just go do more. So, so, so let's go into kind of you know what you heard from your from your uh, from your troops. I know you you say you retired in 2013, but I'm sure you still talk to a lot of your fellow oh, yeah. fellow yeah. troops out there that that are still doing the job. What did you hear uh, that was going on on the ground from your guys? Like some uh, of the stuff. Kind kind of what I was just relate, you know, you know, kind of relate to is that they were getting, they were have, they were having their hands tied. You can't use gas. You can't use uh, impact weapons. You can't use less lethal rounds. It's like, okay, how are we going to control a riot when in, in almost every night there was a riot declared? Well, if a riot's declared, we're talking felonies. We're yeah. talking arresting people for felony charges. Yeah. And if you are limiting our ability to go in and put hands on. Or, or or disband people because you're not going to let us use uh, chemical munitions. How the hell are we going to do the job? Yeah. And this went on night after night after night um, for w- over a year. Yeah. And and finally they just said we've had enough. If you're not going to support us, if you're not going to be there for us, if you're not going to let us do our job, why are we subjecting ourselves to this to this? bullshit here's the thing Um, i blame i blame uh not not so much city the city leaders were were fucking awful anyways but i blame the police leadership for allowing that there's a piece of it right there they 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 have some of the they have a a large piece of responsibility there because if you're going to subject my people to this and not let us do our job i would have pulled them off the damn street well well here's the thing like like i always go back to commissioner gross you know when when we had rnt for riots in boston and he did an outstanding job absolutely he did. standing up to the city council and the mayor and him going over the radios the citywide radios telling every cop hold the line essentially great yeah, job right. i'm proud of every single one of you for what you do and basically he told he told city council stay in your lane we're right. i'm going to deal with this our way you know what the, the difference was the biggest, with- the biggest piece of that right there is why the folks in charge now don't do it. They don't want to lose their job. Yeah. Chief is an appointed position. It's not an elected position. They don't want to lose their job there. I mean, because you go in there and stand up like that in, in Portland, you'll, you'll be, you'll be reverted to captain and be sitting in records division or running the evidence unit somewhere. But, but uh, you know, here's the thing, even, even if that no happens, balls. Right? no it, balls. Yeah. It, here's the thing. Even if that happens, right. Even if you, as let's say the police chief in Portland, right. And, 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 and or is it a chief or a commissioner that, that, that runs chief Portland? chief. Okay. Well, the commissioner, the mayor is the commissioner. That's, that's, a, that's what I, I was going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. yeah. Yeah. No, we'll, yeah, I see that puzzled look on your face, Pete. We'll, we'll get to that in a second because I learned that too, and I was dumbfounded. So, the police chief, right, gets told, 
you know, let's say he was like Commissioner Gross, who actually had balls, said city council, hell no. We're going to use gas. We're going to use less lethal. We are not going to stop doing these tactics because our city's under siege right now. And they're not residents of Portland. They're being bussed in. Right. I, I know this for a fact because when I worked uh, undercover in, in the uh, protests, I would overhear people not from the area. Hey, where are you oh, from? Yeah. New Hampshire. Yeah. You know, not yeah. from the area. Like, like, I heard this shit, you know, this isn't conspiracy. Like I, I heard it. And, and the thing is though, so, so, you know, the chief finally says, no, no, we're, no, we're not. Yeah. You know what? You're fired then. Yeah. No, try come get me out of my fucking office. Exactly. Hey, yeah. you, you Portland guys stand in front of my door. Any of these fucking city councilors come in this door, lock them up. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we need to get control. So yeah, wait, explain yeah. to me what's going on with the mayor and the commission. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's. I'm like itching right so, now. So so yeah. So explain that, Mike. Yeah, that, that way you hear. <laughs> uh, that, that, you know, the commissioner. Uh, the ever since, I mean, that's the that's the form of government that was that was put in place. You have a, you have a a, a mayor and uh, four other council members comprises your city council. The mayor is um, always been the commissioner of police by by position. The mayor is a position, and, and the other commissioners have the fire department, the water department, all that other stuff. But if you don't have a mayor that supports the police, which we haven't had in a while, um, how do you how do you do your job? How how do you you know knowing that if you um, defy them, so to speak, um, they'll 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 terminate you from from the position and. There are, we had chiefs in the back in the past that would stand up and do that. We had chiefs that were comfortable in their own skin, so to speak, that would say, bullshit, we're not doing this. And, and the mayor, you know, he called their bluff and that's what it was. It was a bluff. I mean, who are you going to get to replace this guy? Because he's got the troop support. And the next thing you know, the, the city's in disarray because you've got the, the blue flu going on or whatever. Yeah. Never happened, but. You know, just because but, cops ain't gonna let that happen. Well, that's the thing. Like, like here's the thing. You, you know, again, as as a leader, you know, when when you when you are a very good leader and your troops are behind you, your troops will not let you walk out that door like that. Your troops will not allow uh, a mayor slash commissioner who has no balls to tell your chief, no, you know what, you're fired. You're not. You're, that's not. That's not the way I want things done. And and basically your department is what's holding the city together. You're, I find it very hard to believe that the troops will allow that to even ha- walk out the door, just knowing, knowing cops, how we are. Yeah, And that is, but that's easily mitigated by the mayor. The mayor puts in someone that's, that's weak. Well, but, someone but, that they know that they've got, they've got in their hand. It's like, okay, I will put you, I will make you chief of police if you do X, Y, and Z. Well, that's the thing, though. It's it's that manipulation. It's that almost like I know it's kind of maybe too extreme to call it like this internal coup inside the police department. Right. Where the mayor, uh, the mayor. I mean, again, let's talk foreign policy wise. Right. Like if if it's a foreign. I mean, it's 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 crazy that that even thing, because, you know, I lived it outside the U.S. when when I was growing up, you know, where where these dictatorships get installed. Right. Because they need certain types of leaders in these positions in order for the country to uh, basically fall apart or, or go a certain direction. So let's let's put little little old country of Portland. Right. We'll, we'll call it a, a Socialist Republic of Portland. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call it that. <laughs> Socialist Republic of Portland. Right. So you've got, uh, you've uh, got Moscow, Alamo, Willamette. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have that. So you have. Portland uh, police, who is comprised of really good individuals, good cops. 
you know, the hybrid wolves doing the job, doing this, that, the other. You have the mayor who's got his own agenda right up here, right? Got socialism in his or whatever, whatever ideology he wants to install. This chief says, no, I don't like you. Uh, I'm not going to do that. And that's not going to, that that's going to be detriment to society as a whole, because we know we have the pulse of society right on our thumb because we see it every day. Right. Said mayor removes that police chief and installs one of his own. Yeah. Yep. It's simple. Like dynamics, simple dynamics. I mean, you think again, foreign policy wise, it's yeah. a perfect analogy. It's exactly what happened. You, there. You, so, so, but, but, but again, I go back, well, we're not, we're not in a, we're not a foreign country. We're not this, we're not that. We are essentially the blue line between order and chaos. And we have to live by that code. See, I think where a lot of this disconnect happens with leadership is we've gone away from having leadership that's rooted in the areas. For, yes. for example, in the, in the city that, we, that I work in, right, it's very local. Yeah. And growing up, it was always, you know, the cop that was there for 30 years, he knew exactly how his streets right. worked, became the commissioner, i.e. Willie Gross. Yes. Right? Yes. He was a cop's cop. Yep. He was every unit you could imagine, except for special ops, and he, he knew the way the city worked. Yeah. When you start arbitrarily bringing in, you know, an outsider, an outsider yeah. for example, the new mayor of the city has no idea how this city works. Yeah. She came here from Chicago, yeah. became a city councilor for like two years, and that was apparently enough to know how the city works, and now is the mayor. Yeah. How the hell does she know? And, and I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way to her, even though I don't like her, but I'm just trying to be fair. I would rather somebody that's grown up and has gotten in a street fight and has bled on the street know how the city works, and then they're given the positions of power, and they're the ones that are able to appoint the Mike or the Iman or the Pete that knows how the streets work. Yeah. Where I'm say, why I'm coming into that is a lot of these things with the riots, nobody ever bothered asking the residents what they thought about the riots. Oh, no, they're uh, right. Again, you know, the whole thing with Portland, uh, with that re retiree hire bullshit, yeah. where they said, oh, you attacked Portland residents. I was like, you know what? I bet you if you walk to any exactly. Portland resident, let, did you get attacked by any cops? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, like the, the silent majority would say no, but and most of those folks weren't residents. Like you said, no. they bust them in from everywhere. I mean, no. they're well funded from the various Soros back sites. Yes. That uh, that 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 paid those. I mean, you can't you can't sit there and riot every night and and not have a job. That was their damn job. No, well, there's there's the funding that's necessary well, to, like, to keep like, these like, things going. Like, like me and you said, I think uh, it was with Stephanie with the we saw videos of people getting paid. Hey, go, literally, go this. like we saw the videos. Yeah. They're, they're, they're yeah. out there, and and the thing is though, you know, with with these types of of entities all the time infiltrating the police ranks over and over. And, and like you said, Pete, it's that death by a thousand cuts. It's like that slow, methodical. Yep. We see it. The hybrid wolves see it. You know, we, we see it all the right. time. Part, you know? part of our obligation as police officers, as former police officers, and, and as, as guardians of society is that we need to empower the public and let them know that they have a voice. Absolutely. Because right. when places in the city of Boston started seeing some of these rioters and were like, uh, we don't like this. Yeah. What the fuck is our police doing about it? Yeah. That empowered the commissioner to be like, oh, now you know what? 
we're not going to allow this shit. Yeah. We're right. going to bring out 200 cops to quell this shit. Oh, he brought he brought in every single regional SWAT team. Exactly. It was awesome. What, what I've I'm, never seen a convoy other than uh, other than Boathouse and Speedbump getting killed. Yeah. Uh, well, he uh, Boathouse didn't get killed, but Speedbump did. But uh, I'm talking about the Boston Marathon bombings. That's the right. nicknames of right. the two terrorists. If, I'm sure you've heard that those. <laughs> but uh, I have. Okay. All right. So so uh, the the convoy of SWAT trucks on the way into Boston uh, for the Antifa oh, yeah. riots was amazing because. That was that was uh, Billy Gross's uh, call. He called every agency in the area to awesome. because he wanted to show a force. But that's yep. because his residents yes exactly. spoke up, and we exactly. want the reason I'm saying that is because we have a lot of civilians that listen to the show. Is that you, you guys listening to this? You have a voice. Oh, we more. work for you. Yeah, more than you know. More than their, you know. their voice. Their vo- their voice is in the voters' ranks. They have they have to vote in yep. people that will sit in the city council and the mayor's office that want to regain control of the city. They want to instill uh, a sense of community safety and, and, and goodness back. When I first got to Portland, it was a vibrant and beautiful town. You wouldn't hesitate to go downtown uh, at night and and enjoy the nightlife down there. Now it's like going into a fucking demilitarized zone. I mean, there's shit boarded up and garbage everywhere and shit bags all over the street. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it, I hope it's at the bottom. Like you spoke about, I hope we're at the bottom of the trowel. But I'm not sure if we've hit our ass on the sandbar yet. Really you know, know, you know what's gonna. I mean, it's it's unfortunate. Is it's it's gonna take some major event like Boston Marathon bombing. Yep. It's gonna take yep. some major event like 9/11. It's gonna take some major event where people will wake up again and be like, oh shit, there are real yeah. threats out there. Have something to galvanize the people. Yeah. Exactly I, I, I say it all the time. And one of my friends calls me Debbie Downer all the time. And I, I, I'm not trying to be a downer, but it's the way, I guess how I was conditioned is people do not change their behavior unless they're pained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless they go through a good amount of pain, they're never going to learn. But here, here's the thing. Yeah. So, so, there's a great, I think, I don't know if it's Jordan Peterson who said this or, or who, who said it, but I, I've been hearing it a lot lately and I love it. It is tough times create tough men. Tough men create soft times. Yeah. Soft times yep. create soft create. men. And yep. I love that. I, again, it's, I it's know it's, it's cyclic. Exactly. And now we're at a point where soft, uh, soft times made soft men. And now yep. it's going back and where it's going to take the hybrid wolves like us, right. you know, that are talking right here to be the tough men that we are yep. to bring it back because tough times are coming. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up, uh, right now, but, uh, yeah. but you know, we, we need to go back to being that tough men where we can, exactly. we can take care of each other and take care of our communities. And that's where we got to be. Commander. Yeah, thank nothing, you. If nothing else, Take care of each other on the streets. That's all you got to do. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. exactly. Take care of each other. Watch each other six and uh, be careful out there, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Commander. Yeah, so- Commander, really, we, we really appreciate you coming on. We're not going to hold you on any longer, so you can hang up when you need to, and me and Iman can, can fucking argue about <laughs> stuff. All right. Well, you guys don't do anything fucking weird to each other. Right? <laughs> at, least not, at least not with the Zoom camera. Going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> deny, deny, hey, deny. Guys, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, hey, enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. I'll, thank I'll, you, sir. Right. Hopefully, talk to y'all later. All right. Have a good one. Yep. Yep. Bye. Man, what what an honor to have him on. Yeah, dude. yeah, no, it was it was definitely good to have him on, and he uh, he he definitely did. Uh, I mean, he 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 was one of those back in the day cops. Yep. 
So that's what so, it's all about, dude. You know, and and you know, hard chargers and doing the job right. You know, and and that's it. So and having somebody's insight too, and I love the fact that we can get a lot of these people on, not just for our brothers and sisters, but for the public too. Yes. That, that that are getting to get the mindset of some of these old timers and the new timers yeah. and the in the medium timers, like I yeah. call us. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Because we're not new. Yeah. But, dude, what an awesome episode! And I love the fact that he reached out to us. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, Project Sapient, thank you for making us the number one military and law enforcement podcast on the planet. ProjectSapient.org. I want to say thank you to our supporters, DCD Automotive, AAA Police Supply, Havoc Journal, our partners at the Weekly Havoc Podcast, Second Mission, Live Boston, OD Kit, Eagle Eye Firearms, Gun Track, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, and Joint Operation. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We want to say thank you again to our tens of thousands of listeners. Stay safe. Stay sapient. Stay sapient.